Spirit Catholic Radio, KVSS, we are Catholic Radio for the Christian community. Good morning and welcome to Spirit Mornings with Bruce McGregor and Chris McGregor. And Chris, a real honor to have with us today, Father George Montague. He's a Marianist priest known internationally for his numerous books on scripture and spirituality. He's a former president of the Catholic Biblical Association of America and has served as editor of the Catholic Biblical Quarterly. Father is a very popular speaker and has been involved in the Catholic Charismatic Renewal since 1970. He is also a professor of biblical theology at St. Mary's University in wonderful San Antonio, Texas. And he has authored a beautiful book called Holy Spirit, Make Your Home in Me, Biblical Meditations on Receiving the Gift of the Spirit. And Father Montague, good morning and welcome to the program. A real privilege to have you with us. My privilege too. Father Montague, I, I think this is such an important book because so often we have books and discussions on the Father and we understand Jesus Christ, His Son, but so often that third person in the Trinity really truly is a mystery to most of us. And we fail to really recognize that the Holy Spirit is indeed a person. Uh, that's correct. And, uh, you know, when uh, St. Paul came to the, um, some of the, found some disciples of John the Baptist in uh, Ephesus, uh, uh, he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you were baptized? And uh, they said, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Well, I think, I think a lot of that, that could often be said about many Catholics, because although we say it in the Creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, and giver of life, and so on, we say that every Sunday, a lot of people don't really know, uh, really know the Holy Spirit. Uh, I mean, in a more experiential way, you know, we, it's one thing to, uh, to say it in the Creed and to just give our assent to it, but we, unless we really know what it means in terms of uh, really touching our lives, well, it, it, it remains just, uh, just some words, you know? So many different images of the Holy Spirit within the scriptures. Often we think of the Holy Spirit maybe just primarily as an animal, like a, a bird. Yeah, there's so many other images of the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's what I do in the book. Uh, uh, try to um, exploit uh, and uh, and develop uh, what all those different images mean, because there's a wealth of uh, a wealth of theology, but also a wealth of uh, of experience, uh, spiritual experiences that are offered to us uh, in those images. And uh, the Bible wouldn't have used them if uh, it didn't want us to uh, be nourished by them. Which ones speak strongly to you, or do they all? <laughs> Well, since I wrote the book, they really all speak very powerfully to me because, uh, uh, as I mentioned in the book, many of them, uh, you know, they're very, they're, they're images from our own experience, from the life breath, which is already appears in the book of uh, Genesis, life breath, and then the wind and uh, fire, many of these, and the water, uh, many of these, of course, uh, echo experiences that I had in my childhood growing up on the ranch, and uh, uh, and so it, it, they have provided me with a rich store of, uh, of exploration for, for the Holy Spirit, exploration of the meaning of the Holy Spirit for our Christian life. It's such a powerful image that the breath of God is that gift of the Holy Spirit. It, it's always so profound for me when that scene where Jesus breathes upon the apostles and they receive the gift of the Spirit in the Gospel of John, which is a little different than what we, we hear in the Synoptic Gospels. Uh, yes, John is the one that develops the, uh, the, I would say, the theology of the Spirit, the understanding of the Spirit, even more than the other uh, 
the other uh, uh, writers of the New Testament, uh, except with the exception possibly of Paul, who has his own uh, beautiful understanding of the gift of the Holy Spirit. But as you mentioned, uh, <clears throat> that's an important result of the resurrection of Jesus, that he breathes forth the Holy Spirit upon the early community, upon the early disciples, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, actually, though, for... Uh, uh, for uh, John, uh, he anticipates that gift of the Holy Spirit already upon the cross, because uh, in, uh, uh, when, when Jesus dies on the cross, um, St. John, in relating the event, uh, doesn't just say he expired or he died, but he says he handed over the Spirit, which works at two levels. On, the, uh, on just the historical level, it means, well, he breathed his last, but it also means he handed over the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the gift both of the cross of Jesus, but also of the resurrection of Jesus. So, uh, so that little community of Mary, the beloved disciple, and Mary Magdalene, uh, gathered at the foot of the cross, um, they receive, in a sense, by anticipation, that beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit is also imaged when the uh, blood and water flow from the side of Jesus, when the centurion pierces his side, and uh, blood, representing the Eucharist, and uh, water, uh, either the baptism or the gift of the Holy Spirit. As you point out, a, an image that I had never really held before of the Holy Spirit is that of the anointer, and how the Holy Spirit is the oil that really bathes us. Yes. Well, you know, when we uh, receive baptism, actually in the baptismal rite uh, today, uh, we anoint uh, uh, on the crown of the head, and uh, and we remind the, those being anointed that they are being anointed as king, prophet, and priest, uh, because that's the anointing that Jesus received from the Holy Spirit. He was anointed as king, as Messiah, of course. He was anointed as uh, as prophet uh, to speak the word of God, and and uh, he was anointed as priest also uh, for the, the authentic worship of God. Now, while that office is primarily Jesus, of course, he has shared that with us through the sacraments, and uh, he has made us priest, prophet, and king in the same way. Uh, priest in the sense that we offer to God authentic worship. Uh, we uh, proclaim the Word of God, either by our words or just by the, way we, by the way we live and by the witness of our lives. And then king, in the sense of bringing about the kingdom of God on earth. Uh, we say, thy kingdom come, every time we say to our Father. Mm -hmm. and so that idea, I would say, especially for uh, lay people who have as their, uh, their workshop, their ministry, uh, the, uh, the secular world. Uh, so it, it, it's a very important uh, aspect of, uh, of our Christian life. You're listening to Spirit Mornings with Bruce and Chris McGregor here on Spirit Catholic Radio KVSS, talking this morning with Father George Montague, author of Holy Spirit, Make Your Home in Me. And, uh, Father, in the book you talk a little bit about how you first experienced the full power of the Holy Spirit. Could you relate that to our listeners? Well, yes. Um, this happened in uh, 1970, uh, so that's some time ago, but it's been uh, very much alive in my life ever since. Uh, uh, I, had, I, was, uh, I was approaching my 40s. Uh, in fact, I was at 40, I believe, 40, 41, as a matter of fact. And, uh, uh, of course, I had uh, made my religious profession many years earlier, and I had been a, uh, 
a priest for uh, 11 years, I believe, something like that. And and yet, uh, the the experience that I I received uh, uh, when people prayed over me at a prayer meeting, uh, it was really an awakening. I would say an awakening of that grace that I'd received earlier, the gift of the Holy Spirit at baptism, confirmation, ordination. And uh, it, was a, it was kind of an awakening. You see, in 1970, the charismatic renewal uh, had reached San Antonio by that time, and um, I was teaching uh, theology here at St. Mary's University, and uh, a prayer group began here at the university, and uh, and they, uh, <laughs> I heard that they were speaking in tongues and prophesying and that healing and all these charismatic gifts were... Uh, were being uh, sought and, and used, mm-hmm. and uh, well, I had been I had written a book on Saint Paul that I'd used uh, in my classes, and interestingly enough, I had totally skipped over chapters twelve to fourteen of First Corinthians, which of course deals with the uh, the charism, and as I thought, well, that was something for the early church, but that doesn't really have relevance to. Uh, modern uh, day church life, or right. even uh, secular life in any way. So, uh, but when I heard people uh, saying that, you know, they were experiencing what Paul talks about in those two chapters, three chapters, I said, well, maybe I better go and find out what this is all about. Well, I did. I went in and I sat in there, and first of all, I was more or less a spectator, but then I saw people praising God uh, repetitively over and over and over again, and at first, it really kind of bothered me, because uh, I said, well, you know, don't you think God heard you the first time? <laughs> and, <laughs> and the irony of it was that I was writing uh, something on the Psalms at the same time, and I, I said, you will notice how repetitive praise is. But when I actually got and saw it happening in front of me, uh, I found it uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I said, well, maybe, maybe the problem's with me, you know? So little by little... I began to 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 be warmed up toward this, and uh, especially when I saw the transformation in people's lives. Uh, that that is the greatest witness to the power of the Holy Spirit. That people's lives, people who had lived in fear or depression or uh, or even a great deal of immorality, when they uh, are really touched by the Holy Spirit, their lives are different. And I just noticed a new joy that these people had, and a a willingness to serve other people, to be forgetful of themselves, and to go out of themselves. I said, well, there must be something here. These have the real, the authentic signs of, of God's work. So it was, finally, it was like the Lord saying to me, well, are you just going to be a spectator of this? Are you, are you going to plunge in? And Well, so on Christmas Eve, 1970, uh, I did a Zacchaeus thing. Zacchaeus went out on a limb for Christ. Mm-hmm. And I, with all my uh, theological and uh, uh, spiritual training background, I went forward and I knelt down and I asked uh, some of the people in the prayer group there to just to pray over me for the release of the Holy Spirit. Now, a couple of these people who laid their hands on me were people that I had a great respect for. One was a clinical psychologist, and the other was a Ph.D. who taught at the university. And, but a couple of people who laid their hands on me, I uh, maybe they just weren't all there in terms of their natural gifts, you know. Uh-huh. But that, that was a great uh, lesson to me because the Lord was saying, look, can you let these people mini- uh, be my instruments in ministering to you? 
forget about the uh, PhD and about the clinical psychologist. Think about these people, these simple people uh, who just have faith, but they don't have all that you've got. Can you let them minister to you? That was a great grace for me at that moment. And after they prayed over me, I felt a bubbling up on the inside that probably I might have yielded to the gift of tongues at that time, but I didn't. That only came later. But it was the beginning of a tremendous change in my life, a brand new life, and my ministry's been different ever since. Wow. What a witness. Yeah. Father, uh, you know, as, as we get into these charisms or gifts of the Spirit, Maybe you could explain to people how one can be somewhat sure that the gift of prophecy or tongues is actually indeed a gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, yes, as always. All the gifts, of course, their activity has to be discerned, and you discern by the effect that it has both on the individual who uh, uses the gift and on the uh, other people in the community uh, who are affected by, affected by the gift. Now, we know that in Corinthians, uh, Paul was trying to regulate the gift because the Corinthians seemed to overesteem the, the gift of tongues. Mm-hmm. I must say that the gift of tongues is a beautiful, beautiful entry into all the other gifts. Um, it, it's not the highest of the gifts uh, by any chance, but uh, it, it, and you can certainly be receiving the Holy Spirit without necessarily having the gift of tongues. But it's just like anything else. It's available, and and it's a gift that Paul says we should look, seek eagerly after the gifts. And so it's the gift. There's something we should seek. Now, prophecy, of course, prophecy doesn't really mean, you know, predicting the future or like Gene Dixon or uh, right. these other people who you know are telling about the end of the world or whatever. Uh, prophecy simply means inspired speech or speech that is inspired by the Holy Spirit, and in the, in the prayer meeting uh, today, when people feel that, that the Holy Spirit has moved them, usually, this usually comes after a, a considerable time where we have praised the Lord, um, it is simply a, a sharing of what of the person feels that the Lord is saying to the group right at this moment. Uh, what is God saying to us right now? And in most of the cases, it's simply a, a, a confirmation of their faith, a... a uh, an affirmation of uh, of something that they already know from the scriptures, but it, it's a here and now word, not a an old word. Even if it is the same word from the scripture, it has a new meaning right now because of the particular situation of this particular group at this particular moment. It's God's word to us right now, and if we have an open heart to really receive uh, something brand new and fresh from the Lord, uh, then uh, that confirms. Uh, that, that confirms that it is a prophetic gift. Uh, and then, of course, the gift of healing. You know, St. Hilary, already in the middle of the 4th century, mm-hmm. uh, St. Hilary talks about our baptism and how he says in our baptism we receive, uh, we're able to prophesy, he says, and we're able to, uh, we're, we're able to uh, receive the gift of healing. And so, therefore, every baptized person has at least in in potency uh, the gift of healing. Uh, The reason why we don't experience it more is that we don't even, we don't use it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If a a parent, if your child is sick and you're a parent, then don't say, well, ask people to pray for me. No, 
put your lay your hand on the child right now and pray in the name of Jesus and just ask the healing power of Jesus to come on that child right then and there, and you'll be surprised at the results. Well, Father, you're very aware, I'm sure, that many Catholics and other Christians are unfamiliar with or are uncomfortable with the practices that come with a charismatic movement or with those charisms, you know, for example, speaking in tongues. What would you say to those folks? I would say that these are gifts that were operative in the early Church, uh, very clearly in Paul's communities, uh, and that uh, they are certainly worth exploring, looking into. And, uh, and I would just suggest that, that if you really want more of the Holy Spirit, and there is always more to be received, basically the gift of tongues, this is very important to understand, the gift of tongues is not being miraculously zapped by a foreign language. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not, at least that's certainly not the way it's, Paul describes it in Corinthians, because one who speaks in tongues, if he has a message in tongues, uh, it says that you must pray for an interpretation. Now, if it is a foreign language that somebody knows, then you don't even have to pray for it. You would just translate it. But it, uh, it's not translation, it's interpretation, you see. So um, it, it, the gift of tongues is basically um, a pre-verbal type of prayer of the heart. Now, you say, well, if you know a, a verbal prayer, why don't you say the verbal voice? Certainly you can say mm-hmm. the verbal prayer. But there's a certain release when you realize that God goes beyond all words, beyond all formulation, and that the best prayer is the prayer of the heart, the prayer that comes up from the heart and and can go up to the lips with the, even bypassing the, bypassing the mind, the, and that's what the gift of tongues is. It may sound like a baby babbling, huh? Mm-hmm. But in a sense, it that manifests the fact that before God, we are all children. We're all children before God. We are not theologians. We're not doctors. We're not. Uh, we're not important professional people. We're all children before God, and and all of us should have that desire to pray come from our heart and. To, to just praise God in that way. Now, that's not the only way, and and it shouldn't be the it should not be the only way that we we pray to God because there are many other ways, and we should also be listening to the Word of God and so on. But the gift of tongues is simply a one part of what I would call an eighty-eight key keyboard hmm. uh, that you you need to play the piano with all keys. <laughs> so don't don't neglect the the part of tongues, but. But there's many other keys that also are important to play. But we want a full keyboard. Well, we're talking with Father George Montague, the author of Holy Spirit, Make Your Home in Me. And an important subtitle to this book is The Biblical Meditations on Receiving the Gift of the Spirit. And I think that's one of the beauties of this book that has been so richly endorsed by not only Ralph Martin, who is very familiar to this program, but also Father Dennis Hamm, who is a professor located here in Omaha at Creighton University. And the scripture is really trying to help us to relate to that important relationship, dare I say, to the person of the Holy Spirit. Exactly, and actually in those meditations in which I go through the different uh, uh, images of the Holy Spirit, the cloud and life breath and wind and fire and water and so on, um, it's just, there's just a short chapter 
in which I just lay out, uh, usually starting with a, a story from my own life, my own experience, but then going into the scripture uh, that develops that particular image, and then ending uh, with a, a prayer, a prayer that you can say for the gift, that particular aspect of the Holy Spirit that you, you pray for and you ask ask the Lord to, uh, to to give you the Holy Spirit. So you can take the take the book and just use one chapter a day for a meditation, if you wish, or you can take that one chapter, and as long as it's fruitful for you, you can just read it and pray it over and over again, or you can take one chapter a day, uh, and so on. So it would be very, I think, very enriching for you. I think one of the images that always speaks so strongly to me is that of the paraclete, because that is the image that Jesus so strongly gave us of the workings of the Holy Spirit. And it's always easier for me to relate to a paraclete as opposed to, you know, a wind or, again, I refer to the dove, which are all beautiful, or even fire coming down. But uh, the paraclete really makes that personhood real. It's an advocate, yes. a witness. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, it's the only image that uh, indicates that the paraclete is a person, because Jesus uh, says that, uh, uh, that uh, he, in a sense, was the first paraclete. He says, so when I was with you, but I'm going to send you another, another paraclete, which means that Jesus is the paraclete. But while Jesus is gone with the Father, we have the Holy Spirit as a paraclete. Now, the paraclete uh, really meant um, a witness. And uh, the example that I use, I believe, in the beginning of that paragraph is that uh, when I was trying to help a young man uh, who had uh, gotten off of drugs now for several years, but uh, who had, uh, somebody had turned him in much later, um, and he was arrested and, uh, and brought before the judge. I stood by him at his side while he was brought before the judge. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think we were all dressed in black. His, his lawyer was dressed in black, and uh, but I, of course, was there in my... My clergyman, but I was there as a supporting witness to what had actually happened out. He had improved, and actually he was, at that time, uh, moving toward the seminary, as a matter of fact. And so I was a paraclete for him. I was standing there next to him. I was a witness, bearing witness not only to the, to, to the fact that he had uh, repented of, you know, what he had done and that he had turned his life around, but also a witness of hope. That, that of what he could become, what he could become, uh, you know, as a future priest or as a, uh, as a very active layperson, whatever. And, and that was influential. And as a matter of fact, he didn't have to go to jail. He got uh, something like three years probation, which was really no problem for him. And even that was, uh, was dropped after a, a year or so. Mm. I think that the workings of the Holy Spirit within us is so remarkable, and I think as you begin to really close the book, you talk about that sense of mission and how the Holy Spirit may inspire us to a personal mission, but it will always be in communion with the bride, with the Church. Yes, yes. That's very important, and and actually uh, that is the lesson that uh, we find in the Acts of the Apostles. You remember after the... uh, persecution and the uh, martyrdom of St. Stephen uh, in Jerusalem, in the early, early church, early hours of the church, uh, the Hellenist uh, Christians, that is the Greek-speaking Christians, uh, were scattered throughout uh, Palestine, and 
one of them, Philip went into uh, um, Samaria, mm-hmm. and uh, he evangelized up there. But uh, after they were prayed over people for the, for the uh, or at least baptized people, there was something still missing. They seemed like they were missing the Holy Spirit, and so they called uh, Peter and John down. The two apostles they came down and prayed over them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the ministry of Philip up in Samaria was, in some sense, authenticated only when Peter and John, the apostles, came down and prayed over people, and then they received the Holy Spirit. Now, the point that Luke wants to make there is that all ministry must ultimately be under the umbrella of, of the apostles. And, of course, for, that, for us as Catholics, that means the, the apostles' successors, which is, of course, the bishop. Mm-hmm. So, uh, under the chapter on mission, uh, that's one of the things that I said that is very important for us in some way to be uh, in communion, to be in communion with uh, the whole Church, with the Bride of Christ. Uh, that's, that's very, very, very important. Well, I think the whole book is so very important just to be, help us to understand this wonderful person of the Trinity, the Holy Trinity. Of course, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Make Your Home in Me, Biblical Meditations on Receiving the Gift of the Spirit. Father Montague, as we wrap up our time together, do you have any final thoughts? Well, yes, I do. Um, in fact, I would just uh, say a prayer for you and your listeners, if you, if it's okay. Oh, we appreciate okay. it. Mm-hmm. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for all your gifts, but we thank you especially for the gift of your Son, who died for us, rose from the dead, and sent the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for that ultimate gift, which is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that came upon Mary at the uh, to, to bring forth your word, to make your word available to us in the flesh. So, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit will come upon every person who is listening to this program right now at this moment, and that by the same power of the Holy Spirit that overshadowed Mary, that we may conceive Jesus in our hearts, and that we may bring him forth, the Word made flesh, in our lives. And we pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father George Montague.